Welcome to the Great Detectives of Old Time Radio. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham. If you have a comment, email it to me, box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radius and become one of our friends on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Radio Detectives. Our listener support campaign continues. And you can become one of our Patreon supporters at patreon.greatdetectives.net. Our focus is on one-time donations today. Uh, you can support the show, support.greatdetectives.net. And if you send along a donation of $25 or more, we'll happily send you one of the great colonial uh, radio theater releases, including uh, The Innocence of Father Brown, Volumes 1, 2, or 3, or The Wisdom of Father Brown, Volumes 1 or 2, available as downloads. And if you do want to receive those, uh, be sure and send your email address that you use for the iTunes store so that we can send that to you. Uh, also, for a donation of $75 or more, uh, we'll happily send you a uh, digital uh, download of The Adventures of Harry Nile, Seattle Blues. These uh, feature the earliest episodes of The Adventures of Harry Nile, starring Phil Harper, and uh, you can also get them on a CD for a donation of $125 or more. And uh, just go to support.greatdetectives.net. A full list of thank you gifts are there. Now it's time for Security Agent USA. I don't know if this was a one-off special or if it was a first episode or if it was a pilot, but uh, we'll go ahead and play the episode. The original air date, September the 1st of 1949, and this one is The Story of Tom Bennett. I do solemnly swear that I will defend the United States against all its enemies whomsoever. And I further swear that I will never reveal to any living person any information I may acquire in the service of American counter-espionage. So help me God. That's quite an oath. And with it, a man binds himself the loneliest service on earth. Service of counter espionage. What follows is pure fiction. It has to be. But it is intended as a long overdue tribute to all the lonely men and women who have laid down their lives that you and I may enjoy the American way of life. The men and women who have protected America from her most deadly enemy, the foreign spy. The men and women who bear the title of Security Agent, USA. This is Bennett. Hello, Tom. Jack Walker. Hi, Jack. How's everything out in Chicago? Nothing to it, Tom. I'm ready to come back to Washington. What about Mueller? That's a clean bill of health. I haven't actually talked to him, but I've done a lot of snooping. He's a harmless, sort of charming old duck. Plus, which he's working on a phase that can't give him too much. Mm-hmm. And the niece? Did I answer your question? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Can we vouch for him to the general? You there, Jack? Uh, yeah, yeah. 
Tom. I went through their apartment while they were at the lab, and I really went through it. Nothing there, but nothing. Okay, that jives with the other information. You can come home, Jack. All's forgiven. Wish the niece could... Sorry, friend, I'm using this. Hey! Hey, Jack. Jack, what's wrong? Hey, Jack, what is this, a gag? Jack! No, Tom, it was no gag. It took you two hours and eight minutes to find that out. The answer came from the Chicago Police Department. Man answering your description, John Walker, found dead in phone booth Union Station. Shot through chest and head. No information on killer. As far as you're concerned, that's where it all started. You're Tom Bennett, Special Agent, American Counter-Espionage. You sent your pal, Jack Walker, to Chicago to investigate a Dr. Walter Mueller, German refugee, who's working in a top-secret laboratory. Jack's dead now, and you're responsible. You see, Tom, what you didn't know when you sent Walker to Chicago was that about three months ago, in the headquarters of German intelligence in Berlin... Something happened. Something like this. I have sent for you to give you your orders. You are to proceed to the United States. You will travel by submarine. Very good, Herr Admiral. Our reports indicate the Americans are experimenting with atomic energy at a spot called um, Oak Ridge in the state of Tennessee. They also have a laboratory in Chicago where much of the research is probably conducted. I understand. You'll have to pass over Oak Ridge. It is at this time impenetrable. But in Chicago, you should be able to get the information we must have. We must know what progress the Americans are making. And if they are successful, how they are proceeding. This is a race between their scientists and ours, which may well decide the war. Understand, gentlemen? Neiman. You knew Neiman's reputation, Tom, but you didn't know he was the man you were up against. Always where Neiman was, there was violent death, followed by German victory. Might not have helped you much to know about Neiman. You didn't know what he looked like. Nobody did except a few people at the Durhamstrasse. That's what had cost Jack Walker his life. Yes, Neiman got Jack, but you didn't know that. Jack must have stumbled onto something, Chief, but he certainly didn't know it. What did they find on the body? Well, he hadn't been robbed. The only thing at all strange was a piece of the match package crunched in his hand. Whoever killed him tried to take the package from him. Any idea where the matches came from? The cover was pure white, no advertising on it. I see. This is bad, Tom. It means they've got a spy close to the Atomic Energy Project. We've got to get him. I think you'd better handle this one yourself. Any ideas? Jack was checking that Dr. Mueller on his knees. Let's start there. How about getting the Adam people to put me in with Mueller as his assistant? Can it be arranged? No, see. This is Coleman. Get me General Grove. Uh, call me when you get him. They're spotting me, of course. Just like they spotted Jack. 
But then whoever it is will have to do something about me before he can go on. He'll try something. I'll be waiting. You know what you're doing, Bennett. Play it any way you want. That's the hard way, but I guess there isn't any easy way. No, there isn't any easy way. If you want to catch a spy, you've got to set a trap. And a trap needs bait. And so you use the only bait you can, Tom. Yourself. But you don't know it's Neiman you're up against, and Neiman is deadly. Coleman arranges things with the powers that be, and you find yourself one fine morning in a closely guarded laboratory, meeting Dr. Mueller and his niece, Kathy. When you look at Kathy, you understand why Jack Walker went... She's a brown-eyed blonde with a figure. She can't be over 23. Dr. Mueller, on the other hand, is a wizened normal man with laughter wrinkles around his little eyes. Only right now, he isn't laughing. But why should they send me a laboratory assistant? Why? An assistant I don't need. Go away, young man. <laughs> I'm sorry, Dr. Mueller. The director said I was to be your assistant. You're doing a lot of work for one man. Enough work to tax a child I'm not doing. Kathy, make him go away. Now, Uncle Walter, don't get yourself all worked up. Mr. Bennett's just doing as he's told. <laughs> I think it'll be nice to have someone around to talk to. Then to him you talk. Me, I go about my work. <laughs> Don't mind him, Mr. Bennett. He's really an old dear. In a day or so, he'll be eating out of your hand. <laughs> he acted more like he was going to chew it off. It's almost lunchtime. Why don't we go down to the cafeteria? It'll give Uncle Walter a chance to cool off. Delicious. That was nothing. Just wait till you see where I'm taking you for dinner tonight. Dinner tonight? Mm -hmm. Oh, Tom, I don't know. You already have a date? Well, not exactly, but You've I... got one now. I know a spot on Randolph. Kathy, where have you been? I've been looking for you everywhere. Well, George, I've been right here. George, this is Tom Bennett, Uncle Walter's new assistant. Tom, this is George Hudson. How do you do? Hello. Uh, Kathy, can you come over to the apartment this evening? I was just talking to Alfred, and he's finally got hold of that Sibelius album. We'll play it tonight. Well, I don't see how I can, George. I have a date. A date? Who with? Afraid I beat you to it, Hudson. Better luck next time. Oh, you. But, Kathy, I well, thought... Maybe we could both come if it's really special. Well, Alfred thought... Alfred. Alfred's always thinking. Would you like to hear some records, Tom? George has a wonderful collection. Well, I, I suppose so. You would. Fine. It's all right with you. I guess we'll be there about nine, George. All right. Uh, see you then. Bye, Kathy. Bye. Oh. Nice to have met you, Mr. Hudson. <laughs> Oh, Tom, don't. George isn't so bad. He just can't get it out of his head that he owns me. Hey, hey have you got a cigarette? Sure, here you are. Darn it, I'm all out of matches. Do you have any? Mm, yes, I think I have some in my purse. Just a minute, I'll see. Here. Here you are. A one awful moment, everything stopped. Matches, Kathy is extending as a plain white cover, just like the fragment was pried from Jack Walker's dead hand. For a quick second, you stared. Then recovered your poise and lit Kathy's cigarette in your own. Then you absent-mindedly put the matches in your pocket. After work that day, you went back to your hotel to clean up. But before you did anything else, you made certain that match packet was on its way to Coleman in Washington. Dinner was a little trying, Tom. 
Kathy was warm and friendly, and you couldn't help wishing she weren't mixed up in all this. At the same time, you had to be careful she didn't notice anything. Your years of training carried you through. The four-block walk to the apartment was pleasant. The two of you swung along hand in hand. Oh, it was hard to break the witchery of her smile. Oh, hello, you two. Hi. Come on in. Well, here we are, George. Hiya, Hudson. We're pretty close to on time. Yeah, uh, go on into the living room. Uh, Alfred's in there. Oh. Uh, bourbon and ginger ale for you, Kathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you have, Bennett? Bourbon and plain water, please. Okay. Go on in. I'll bring the drink. All right. Hiya, Kathy. How you doing, kid? Oh, you must be Tom Bennett. I'm Carter, Alfred Carter. Sit down, sit down. How are you, Carter? Hello, Alfred. Is George fixing drinks for you? That's what he said. Swell, Tom. George tells me you're a new man at that hush-hush deal Kathy's mixed up in. Mm-hmm, afraid so. Hope your business is better than mine. I sell shoes on State Street. With these stupid ration coupons, business stinks. <laughs> at least you can sell what you got. Yeah, but sometimes I'm ashamed to do it. The quality's so lousy. Say, you got that Sibelius album for George today, Kathy, did he tell you? Yes. I'm glad you found it. You've been looking so long. It's the third. Cajanus and the London Symphony, Tom. Do you like Sibelius? Uh, I don't know too much about him, Alfred, except, of course, I've heard he's Finlandia. No, oh, he's great. Great. Hey, Kathy, my folks are through today on their way up to Manitowoc for a month. They stopped in at the store between trains. Tom, you ought to see my mom and dad, both over 70, and you wouldn't guess it by 20 years. Wait till I get their pictures. I'll show you. Oh, here we go again. Mama's boy never quits. After Mom and Dad come the brothers and sisters. It's very interesting. <laughs> here you are, Kathy. Bennett? Thanks. Uh, where's Alfred? He went to get his mother's and father's pictures. Oh, yes. He's very fond of them. I've never met them, but they must be remarkable. Mm, they must be. Here we are. Oh, good, George. Everybody's got drinks. Got to show you my family, Tom. They're really great. So, for the next hour, you learned about the Carter family in Codicum. Alfred's mom and dad were interesting, like so many people who've been married a long time. They looked alike. Dark hair, dark eyes, firm jaws, and the same lines about the mouth. Alfred looked like them both. Then came brothers, sisters, cousins, uncles, and aunts. Then the snapshots, funny poses, swimming, camping, hunting, and so on. A never-ending stream of tasteless snaps that only an enthusiastic and completely untalented amateur camera bug can accumulate. But finally came the last one. And that when you liked Tom, it was a shot of Kathy, Dr. Mueller, George, and Alfred at a resort at Beaver Lake, Wisconsin, taken two weeks before. Kathy was wearing a brief bathing suit. She looked good, and you looked at the picture too long. There were more drinks. George may not have been the pleasantest person in the world, but he had a lavish touch with the bourbon. Then came the music. Kathy had been right. George and Alfred had a magnificent collection. With the deeply moving strains of the fourth movement of Brahms first filled the apartment, you studied the others covertly. Kathy's eyes were half-closed and filmy as she leaned back in her chair. George's head was down, the eyes squeezed shut as though in pain while Alfred sat erect and stared at the wall. His blue eyes popped and glazed. No one spoke. Oh, <sighs> magnificent. Wonderful. How about another drink, George? Huh? 
Oh, oh, sure. Not for me, thanks. I've got to be getting home. It's almost 12. Oh, one more won't hurt, kid. I've still got some. I'll smoke a cigarette while I finish this. Allow me? I've got everything right here, Alfred. Oh, at least allow me to strike the match for you. There. Thanks. Uh, hold that light, Alfred. Oh, sorry it went out. Here, take the matches. Night, Captain. Okay, Al. Make it short, though, will you? You sounded sleepy, didn't you, Tom? But you were never more alert in your life. Alfred had lit Kathy's cigarette with her matches, another packet with a plain white cover. And George, after lighting his cigarette, had slipped them into his pocket. Unconscious habit? Or had you spotted a method of communicating? You finished your nightcap, Kathy finished her cigarette, and you took her home. At the door, you kissed her goodnight. Tom, darling. There was a pain just below the breastbone. It felt lousy as you went back to your hotel. When you got there, a message was waiting to call Washington, operator number 38. Ready with Chicago, go ahead. Hello, Bennett? Yeah, what's up? Plenty, can you talk? I'm in a hotel room on a switchboard. Have to take a chance. And report from abroad, they're getting stuff. I think I know how. How serious is it? If you know how, stop it. This is top priority. That bad, huh? That bad. And I found out who you're up against. Who? Sit of your stomach does some cartwheels. You, Tom Bennett, are matching wits with Neiman, Admiral Canaris, top officer. You sure? Buzz. Get him if you can, Tom, and plug that leak. Those are orders, Tom. Get Neiman and plug the leak. The only thing Coleman didn't tell you was how. That's your job. You sit in your room quietly for half an hour, remembering all you've heard and seen that day. And the more you think, the more you come to the conclusion that you've got to get hold of that match packet George put in his pocket. It means going back to the apartment. It's risky, Tom. But once your mind is made up, you move quickly. It's nearly four in the morning. Into an alley, around at the back of the building and up the stairs to the third floor back porch. All the lights are out. The street light in the alley below, but you don't worry in that dark suit. Out come the keys. You try. Snap out of it. Oh. Never mind the act. Wake up. Oh. That's better. What happened? You got caught. That's what. Now, don't make any funny moves. Oh. You're covered. I hope he gets the chair for this, officer. The chair? What are you talking about? Yes, you knocked him silly, Mr. Carter. Or, girl, you're going to say you didn't kill him, but... I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't shoot anybody. I know. You're as innocent as a newborn babe. And he just dropped dead from listening to the night ball game. Then you looked around. George Hudson was lying in the middle of the floor in a pool of blood. He was very dead, and your gun was nearby. The cop had a police positive aimed right at you. And Alfred was holding a poker. By the way, Tom, that's what he hit you with. Your head was splitting, but even that couldn't keep you from admiring Neiman's boldness and resourcefulness. 
Oh, yes, you knew who Neiman was then. You began to appreciate how good he really was. You couldn't have done better yourself. Framed for murder. You could get out of it in time, probably, but time was the one thing you didn't have. If Neiman was pulling stunts like this, he must be near the end of his job. Probably in a matter of hours he'd be gone, and it looked like you'd be spending those precious hours communing with the Chicago Homicide Squad. Think fast, Tom. Give me a hand up, will you? Just stay put, pal. You got no reason to get up. I'm gonna be sick. Where's the bathroom? Oh, here. Up you come. Come on, in here. And don't try anything funny. The funny part of it is that it wouldn't be hard for you to be sick, Tom. Alfred has a heavy hand to the poker. You reel across the living room, the policeman takes your arm so you won't fall. Deep inside, you gather all your strength. If this doesn't work, it's curtains. Then suddenly you straighten up and shout. Hey! He nicked you, Tom. Even a crease in the forearm doesn't feel so good when it comes from a thirty-eight. But you can't stop. Down the stairs, onto the sidewalk, and run. Run like the devil. Around corners, through alleys, over fences for miles and miles and miles, it seemed. And then when your heart was about to pop the buttons on your shirt, you stopped. Took stock. You'd done the one thing Neiman hadn't expected. You'd made a break for it. Instead of stopping to explain that you were a counter-espionage agent, etc., 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 you were free. But you had the whole Chicago police force after you. And you were wounded. Gingerly, you took off your coat and shirt, ripped the sleeve out of the shirt and tore it into strips. Using that as a bandage, you staunched the bleeding. The rip in the coat wasn't too noticeable if you held your arm against your side. Now, before you do anything, Tom, think. Then you understood. Neiman had made sure you'd come back. That match business was a plant. You were meant to see it. With George dead and you in jail, Neiman would be completely unwatched for a little while. It meant all the time he needed was a few hours. If that was all the time he needed, his work must be finished and only the getaway remained. A few hours. To get to a hideout, change clothes, get new papers, a little disguise, and as Joe Doe, he'd disappear in the crowd. You had to find that hideout fast. Maybe there was a clue to it in the apartment. Maybe Neiman hadn't left yet. It was the best place to start, and it was the one place in Chicago the police would not expect to find you. Cautiously, you made your way back. The apartment was dark. The policeman walked up and down in front. He circled the block, came down the alley to the back. Hugging the shadows, you crept close to the steps. No guard in sight. Quick as a flash, you go to those steps and race soundlessly to the third floor. You try the kitchen door. Pray you don't be unlocked. What's that? That's funny. I thought I heard something. Don't move or I'll blast you. That's a gun in your back. Now get your hands up and keep them up there. Now I'll take that gun. There. You won't get away with this, pal. Maybe not, but I got a better chance now that I got a real gun. Now, what do you... Don't move. I've got your gun now. I can put my pen away. Why, you... Shut up and get walking. This is Coleman. Bennett, Chief. I'm trying to reach you. Where are you? Tell you in a minute. What did you want with me? 
cop get out of the country. That does it. What? What'd you think? Listen carefully, Chief, in case anything happens. Neiman has been living here as Alfred Carter. 5'10", 165. Brown hair, blue eyes. Catherine Mueller, the old man's niece, has been working inside the lab and passing stuff on via those match packages. Go on. I've been framed for murder, a beautiful job. Every cop in Chicago is looking for me. I've got one of them tied up in a closet right now. Where are you calling from? Neiman's apartment. I'll get on the phone and square the murder charge. There isn't time. Neiman's already moving. The Mueller girl probably has his samples. There's a lodge at a place called Beaver Lake in Wisconsin. I've got a snapshot of it. I think that's the hideout. I'm going there. Do anything you have to, Tom, but get Neiman before he gets away. I'm on my way, Chief. Up to the roof, wearing one of Georgia's suits and carrying an empty suitcase. It was tricky going from roof to roof, Tom, but you made it unobserved as dawn was breaking. Then a cab, and Union Station. Carry your bag, sir? Yeah, here. Would you bring it into the restroom? I want to change my shirt before I go. I certainly, sir. More luck. Not a soul about now, Tom. All right, keep moving. Hey, what? A gun? Do what you're told and you won't get hurt. Get into that porter's closet fast. I need those clothes. Now you're a red cap, Tom. You can walk right by the police who are watching for you. Carry that suitcase right on a train, any train. There's one leaving for Pittsburgh in ten minutes. Stop at Anglewood. Find an empty compartment down there. Can you go? No one notices a red cap on a train. Close the door. Pull the shades. Now, out of the red cap's outfit and back into George's suit. Put the uniform in the suitcase and leave it on the rack. Step out. And walk casually back to the club. Guys, sit down. When the conductor comes by, you pay a cash fare to Fort Wayne. But when the train stops at Englewood, you just get off and walk away. No cops waiting. They haven't found the red cap yet. Now, to rent a car. Get cut for Beaver Lake fast. Thanks to Neiman's blunder in leaving that snapshot, the lodge isn't too hard to locate. Place looks deserted. Hey, wait a minute. Fresh tire tracks. They've been here. If they're gone, I'm sunk. Try the house. What the? Dr. Mule. Wait a minute. I'll get you loose. Here, get rid of that gag first. There you are. Me dead tied up. That, that, that Nazi Gabi and that Neiman. Where are they now? Gabi went for food and Neiman is around somewhere. Spice they are. And cutting my own flesh and blood. What are you, Bennett? Special agent, American counter espionage. <laughs> there you are, doctor. Rub those wrists and ankles a little. Oh, you do that. Don't bother, Uncle. <sighs> and don't move, Bennett. You're covered. Kathy, you don't know what you mixed up in. Where's Neiman? Stand still. I know what I'm doing. Put down that gun, Catherine. Shut up, Uncle. You were clever, Bennett. Lucky I spotted you in town. I've been waiting for you. Put down that gun, I said. You filthy Navi. Stay where you are, Uncle. Come one step closer and I'll shoot. Go ahead and shoot. I'm an old man. America is good to me. And you are not going to betray us. Dr. Mueller, stop. Stop, you old fool. 
Give me that gun. Drop it, you little... Drop it. Now for you, Happy. Did you... Did you kill her? I don't know. I don't care. You must get him. Do you know where he is now? There is a little shack in the woods. I think he sends messages. That is where he was going. How do you get to it? There there's a little path down to the left oh. there, about 200 meters. Down that path it is shot. Yes. But the big camel is dangerous. Tom, you be careful. As careful as your job will let you. You start down the path into the heavy woods. Dark and then can't see much. I'm waiting for you, Bennett. Come and get me. I'm coming, Neiman. You can't get away. Why don't you give up and save your life? And give you the pleasure of hanging me? You missed Bennett. I didn't expect you to get through the Chicago police line. Why did you kill George Hudson? Just to frame me? He was getting too nosy. Did he know about the matches? No, he was a fool. Stupid of you to fall for that match guy to the apartment. It was a good trick. It brought me back all right. I thought it would. By the way, how'd you find this place? From the snapshot of all of you in that phony picture album of yours. That was careless of me, Bennett. <laughs> Bennett. Answer me. Bennett. Where are you? I'll help you. I saw you then. Around here somewhere. I see you. You can't get away from me, Bennett. I know these woods like a foot. Do you, Neiman? <laughs> I guess Canaris never talked to you boys about playing possum, did he, Neiman? That's tough. That was the story of Tom Bennett. Neiman made a couple of blunders. His mom and pop were the worst. They both had brown eyes. The phony Alfreds were blue. That almost never happened. Or George Hudson was an innocent bystander. Kathy planted Neiman on him with a roommate, then slipped the matches with secret ink messages into his pocket for Neiman to recover at night and read. Jack Walker had picked up the wrong matches when he searched Kathy's room, and Neiman had got them back killing Walker in the process. Complicated, you say? Maybe so. But it's all in a day's work for a security agent, USA. Security Agent, U.S.A. The story of Tom Bennett was written and narrated by Bob McKee. Everett Clark was heard as Neiman, Arthur Peterson as Mueller, Sandra Gare as Kathy, Ed Prentice as George, and Myron Wallace as Tom Bennett. Others in the cast were Oscar Brown, Jr. and Ken Griffin. 
This special broadcast, produced by Homer Heck, was brought to you by the National Broadcasting Company and its independent affiliated stations as a tribute to those unknown protectors of America's freedom and security, our counterintelligence agents. This is NBC, the National Broadcasting Company. Hi, this is Andrew from otrwesterns.com. I wanted to invite you to come take a look at our site where we put out podcasts of old-time radio westerns. Check us out at otrwesterns.com. You're listening to The Great Detectives of Old-Time Radio with Adam Graham. Now let's get back into the show. Welcome back. Well, that was definitely narrated. I don't think I've heard a program that was so narrated. And it seems like at some points we did, we had uh, Tom narrating, and at some points we had the narrator narrating. So narration, uh, pretty well covered. Of course, Myron Wallace would become known as Mike Wallace to uh, my generation, and uh, even the, those uh, before it, for his work as a reporter on 60 Minutes. And this is like the third series we found where uh, Mike Wallace has played this uh, sort of role. And it's amazing to think that he really did have this uh, acting ambition and put a lot into it uh, before he ended up settling on a career in the media. Uh, I have very little information on the series, but I would probably think that it originated from Chicago uh, because, uh, for one thing, not only are the locations in Chicago, but Wallace made other programs and uh, the uh, Crime Files of Flamand, where he played the lead for a while, uh, originated from Chicago. And that would seem to be the best bet, that this was a Chicago origination. Again, there's scant information on this. This is somewhat of a rare program. I hope you liked it. Uh, next week, uh, we will be bringing you That Strong Guy, a series I probably know even less about than this one. But we'll talk about that then. Join us back here tomorrow for Rocky Jordan. In the meantime, send your comments to box13 at greatdetectives.net. Follow us on Twitter at Radio Detectives and become one of our friends on Facebook, facebook.com slash radiodetectives. And do support our listener support campaign. Uh, go to support.greatdetectives.net. And uh, among the uh, items that we have available as a thank you gift, are the Michael Shane Mysteries Volume 1 starring Lloyd Nolan on DVD, and we'll happily send those along with a donation of $50 or more, along with uh, several Humphrey Bogart films, including African Queen, Casablanca, The Big Sleep, The Treasure of the Sierra Madre, and Have and Have Not, each available with a donation of $50 or more. Uh, full list of available thank you gifts over at support.greatdetectives.net. But that's all for now. Uh, from Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off. <laughs>